0: What is going on everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning and I am your host and I am joined as always by my friend in the great state of Ohio, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, how you doing today, man? I, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling great. I'm ready to get this show kicked off. How are you doing?
1: Well I've got I've got my coffee. I've got some some coconut LaCroix mixed in. It's a it's a very tasty treat. Um, and I think I've earned it after watching Ohio State football for a significant amount of time in um, my my life in this year, I think that I've earned this this nice little treat. and uh, who boy, we we've got some stuff to talk about.
0: <laughs> we have got a lot to talk about today. Um, before we really, really, really dive into everything that happened in there, like you said, is a lot to talk about. I just wanna say <laughs> I just wanna say this. I wanna go on a dissertation real quick before we get started and talk about Ohio State's forty nine to twenty loss over Purdue. What what a sentence that is. <laughs> We've been very vocal on this show about what we think about this team and not really being surprised that something like this happened. And I, I'm not gonna speak for you, but I don't want the next hour of this to be like, oh, we told you so. We told you this was gonna happen, ha ha ha. Cause I want to make it clear that like we are not gloating about this. Like for me, this this isn't fun. I'm only gloating talk- slightly. <laughs> yeah, like to to talk about Ohio State losing by twenty-nine points to Purdue, but these are some of the things we're gonna talk about here is just stuff that uh that we've been saying and everything kind of all piled up last night into one big avalanche. So that's all I got to say about that. It's it's just crazy that we're in a position to even be talking about this. But where where do you think we should start in this game? Because like you said, there is so much to get to and analyze and complain about and break down after this one.
1: Well, I I think I'd like to start with the post game, um, specifically Urban Meyer's post game press conference. Because there are, there were many jokes on the internet about how easy it is to predict whatever Meyer would say. How he would run his hand, th- her, he would run his hand through his hair, and he would say, "We're going to get this thing fixed," which is the same thing he says uh, every time Ohio State loses. Yeah. So, to to kind of prove this point. I went back and I found the uh, post-game press conferences for the Iowa loss, for the Oklahoma loss, and for the Clemson loss, as well as the Iowa loss. I'm going to read these four quotes without any kind of context for which game it was. Um, So this first one says, We have good players, good coaches. We're going to get back to work, Meyer said after the game. We lost a game last year and came right back. We have good guys we're going to get to work. We're going to work our you-know-what's off and get this thing right. There's number one. (laughs) Number two, Meyer said Saturday was one of the first times he can remember that his team failed to control the line of scrimmage. He referred to missed tackles as an issue as well. He said the defense didn't play very well. Uh, Number three, yeah, it was awful. We got beat by a good team, a very good team, and it was a quarterback that was dynamic. I thought our defense hung in there against, like I said, a very good player. Offense was bad, so we're going to do what we do. It's going to get back to work. Jesus, this is hard to read. Work as hard as we possibly can starting somewhat tonight and tomorrow and figure this thing out. And number four, uh, so we're going to move on quickly. In my respect for the football player, our team has not changed. Identify things that have to get better, and we will. That's what we do. Ohio State is not used to this. I'm not used to this, and we will will not get used to this. That's not going to happen again. So we'll get things worked out. That was from the Clemson game in 2016, in which he says Ohio State will not get used to this. The, (laughs) The last three came after that game. And the same exact thing happened, which is strange. It's like they got used to it or something. I I think that maybe they got used to it is the thing.
0: My biggest problem here, and I I was running the account last night and tweeted out. Oh, (laughs) God. The the fake. Yeah, the fake. I didn't check the mentions at all, so it was all right. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) I I tweeted out before, you know, the final gun that he was going to say something like, oh, we need to get this darn thing fixed. And it's easy to, like... To say that because you know he's going to, but the yeah. thing is, is like he's not wrong, and that's the problem. Is that all of these losses are the same? And I also tweeted out after the game. I was like, why can't Ohio State ever just lose normally? Like, why can't they just lose thirty-one to twenty? And like Purdue plays really well, and Rondale Moore has a big game. Ohio State's able to do enough. Purdue, you know, generates a couple turnovers, but no, like they they just can't lose normally. They have to do it in embarrassing fashion. And Every single one of those games, including last night's, were embarrassing. And it's fine that they're going to lose games. We know that. We've talked about that. It happens. Everybody in college football loses. Even Alabama loses like a game a year. So it's not them losing that's a problem. We don't expect them to win every single game. But it's the way that they lose. And this has become a trend for them. That they lose like this. That they have late fourth quarter issues like they did last night where I don't want to say the word quit because these players put a lot on the line. These coaches put a lot on the line. They give up a lot of time, you know, away from their families and dedicated to this. So I I don't want to say that they all quit, but I will say that the effort late in the game was pretty embarrassing, you know, because this shouldn't have been a 29 point loss. Purdue put up 28 points in the fourth quarter. You know, there was the pick six. Late at the end of the game, I had stopped
1: watching at that point. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Purdue absolutely deserved to win. They played better, they outplayed Ohio State the whole game. It should not have been a 29 point loss. And this was the exact same thing that kept Ohio State out of the playoff last year. They just got steamrolled by Iowa. But the biggest difference to me, and I've seen other people say, Oh, this is the Iowa game. Uh, Maybe you disagree. This wasn't the Iowa game to me. Yeah,
1: this wasn't a turnover thing. That was the Iowa no, game.
0: And, and you know what? The Iowa And I don't want to take anything away from Purdue because, like I said, they totally deserve to win. That's a huge win for their program. They played really well. They kind of showcased everything that we had talked about pregame. Rondale Moore is an absolute beast, and he should be wearing scarlet and gray, but he isn't because I don't know. But the Iowa game, they just got completely outplayed. I don't think there was, even late in that game, I don't feel like there was effort issues. It was just one of those days where everything went Iowa's way. They completely outplayed them. Last night, almost all of Ohio State's problems were caused by Ohio State. Whether it's the run game, whether it's not scoring a touchdown in the red zone, Uh, Some of the defensive issues that we've seen all season linebackers being out of position and to produce credit, they took advantage of it. But almost everything that Ohio State did wrong last night, I feel like you can look back and point to, wow, that is super bad coaching and the effort stuff too that's on coaching. That's you know, they want to talk about a culture here and you know, we have a strongly defined culture teams with great culture don't lose these games and just get embarrassed late in the game like that and that's where i just i'm sick of hearing that bullshit from the coaches because that's that's what it is it's bullshit. and like i said I, i'm okay with them losing games it's fine i don't think this loss totally derails them the bye week comes at a perfect time they can absolutely rebound from this but it's just a joke that they just can't lose normally it has to happen like this every time And we hear the same shit every time after games like this where, oh, this darn thing needs to get fixed. We have great players. We have great coaches, yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm just sick of hearing that. And I don't want to say that, oh, something needs to change in terms of firing Urban Meyer or firing coaches. But man, they really have to take a look at the program because they want to be a top two program. They want to be the best program in the country. And Shit like this just doesn't cut it at all.
1: Yeah, it is like every single Ohio State loss since probably the Clemson game. The the Michigan State loss in 2015 wasn't this kind of embarrassing. It was at least pretty close. It was certainly a bad performance. But um, since the Clemson loss, it feels like every single Ohio State loss has been like a referendum on the program. And been kind of like a uh, hey, maybe not everything is is great right now in Ohio State football, and this was this was another one, and it's just like, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. Is that we're not, I, I'm not upset about Ohio State losing a game. Ohio State will lose games. It's college football. It happens. Alabama loses games. Every great team loses games, but every single one of them is this this big thing where like you can see from a mile away when Ohio State's going to lose one of these games. Like Last year, we could see that Ohio State was going to lose to Iowa. It was very obvious that Ohio State was going to turn around and get crushed by Iowa. They, just, they hadn't been playing well for pretty much the entire season. They had skated by, and they were going to get got by somebody. And it just happened to be Iowa. This year, it was the same, same thing. Ohio State spent the first seven games skating by on talent. They were out-schemed pretty consistently. They very nearly lost to a Minnesota team that just got crushed by Nebraska. Like it's, It was obvious that there were some problems with this team, and it's just that's not... I, I don't think that that's the way an elite football program should be run. That That is not, to me, how an elite football program should feel. Like, seeing a... A loss to what is now a four and three Purdue team and I think a Purdue team that is that is pretty good I I think they are they're good. They're a talented football team, and um, they're probably better than their record indicates And they played a very good game, but seeing Even at the beginning of the season that Ohio State would probably slip up against Purdue Which is not a top opponent Purdue is not a ranked team They're not really a team that I think Ohio State has any business losing to, especially with the talent that Ohio State has. And, you know, knowing that this was coming, it's just like it's the same thing every year. Every single year, Ohio State goes into one of these games completely unprepared. Their offense is unbalanced. Uh, For the last couple of years, it was because they could only run and they couldn't pass now they can't run at all um they threw 73 passes which is just ridiculous <laughs> it's ridiculous man i wrote about that in my stock market report about how like i i think that there's a there's a thing in college football twitter college football just in general uh about like a a fun like oh it's the air raid that's that's cute that's fun man i hate the air raid so much it sucks <laughs> Like I, I think that it's great for Washington State and Texas Tech and those teams. There's no reason that Ohio State should be doing something anywhere close to that. You know, it it's like, I, I don't think it's a gimmick. It, it is a legitimate offense and it works for those schools. But Urban Meyer should not need to be dialing up 73 passes a game. Like Dwayne Haskins has no reason to be throwing 73 passes. And I saw a bunch of people were were like, well, at least, you know, Dwayne Haskins broke Art Schleister's record. And he did it on, like, 22 more passing attempts, and he had 12 more yards. And so that's not very good. <laughs> he threw 73 passes and broke the, broke the record by 12 yards. Like, great, thanks. It, it's just it, – it's bad. It's an unbalanced offense. It's bad to watch. Even – even with 470 passing yards it didn't feel like ohio state was particularly effective passing the ball cuz it very rarely amounted to anything they were pretty consistently driving i think they they ran almost 100 plays and yet they they scored 20 points they were awful in the red zone they were 2 of 5 in the red zone they were just bad they they couldn't they couldn't find the end zone and it's It's a similar problem. we've We've seen this plenty. We've seen this against Iowa. We saw it against Oklahoma. We saw it against Clemson, where Ohio State does have a thing that they're good at, but eventually someone will figure out what it is. And Ohio State has no other answers. their Their defense was still completely ineffective, which isn't surprising. But we, we did think that Ohio State could compete in a shootout a bit, and I, I think that maybe even looking back, it was kind of silly to think that, because this offense is obviously not good. This is not a healthy offense. This is not the way an offense is supposed to be run, and it's just it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see that at a program with so many four and five stars all over the field. It's like... I think that Spencer Hall of Every Day Should Be Saturday summed it up as Ohio State being Missouri with five-star players, and it's pretty much what this offense is right now. It's like, yeah, we'll just throw it 60 times. We can't do anything else. We're gonna get blown up in the trenches by Purdue or Minnesota. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that Greg Studrawa was another coach that was hired entirely because of his friendship with Urban Meyer, and you know him and Greg Schiano and Billy Davis are. Coaching for lots of money for a major program because they're friends with the head coach It's just it's ridiculous. It's a really it's a really embarrassing situation that Ohio State has
0: let's dive right into that on Multiple levels and I want to start with a question for you. Who's the group? The position group that we went after the most last year the receivers the receivers what? Was the thing that stood out about the receivers, and we learned about the receivers over the course of this last—I don't know, maybe six months.
1: Like as a as a general as a general referendum on the on the receivers.
0: I guess yeah. What what's changed now that the receivers oh. have been pretty good this year?
1: Uh, well, they have a coach that shows up to practice, which is probably helpful.
0: Who are the two groups that we've gone after the most this season?
1: Um, probably the linebackers and the line.
0: And as you said, what what stands out about <laughs> the coaching on the line and the linebackers?
1: Well, Billy Davis, um, some people don't know this, he was actually Urban Meyer's best man at his wedding. And um, (laughs) I I think that it's important that we do remember that uh, Billiam Davis was Urban Meyer's best man at his wedding, and he has a job because of it. Um, And Greg Studrawa was hired after failing, not just at LSU, but also at Maryland, which is um, a worse football school than Ohio State. and ohio state hired him because you know urban meyer just he likes the way that that bald man coaches
0: (laughs) i've seen a little bit of it's the assistants and not meyer and okay that's that's fine but at the end of the day who makes the hire (laughs) who is at the top signing it gene smith isn't looking at lsu game film and like hey we need an offensive line coach Uh, go go get that guy no that's not happening Urban Meyer's making the decisions. And yeah, I agree. It's probably more of the assistance than Meyer. But hey, at the end of the day, he's signing off on it and making those decisions. So it all comes back to him. And I'll just leave that one there and get back to what you said about the health or lack thereof of the offense and the balance between passing and running the ball. Ohio State just ran for 76 yards against Purdue on 25 carries. It's good for a nice, robust three yards per carry. I don't know what the non-sack average is when you filter those out, but I know it wasn't very good. And I've seen a lot of really, really smart people, not a lot, but I've seen a few smart people since this loss talk about how, for as great as Dwayne Haskins is, Urban Meyer still prefers a running quarterback. And I am so, so, so sick of it. Because this is an offense and this is a scheme that can't find any single way, at least right now, to adjust. There's an extra defender in the box, whether no matter where they are on the field. And especially so in the red zone. And we saw that when they couldn't run. And they just look baffled that there's an extra defender in the box. And they have no idea what to do. And as we've talked about here, instead of being like, huh. What, what's the adjustment? What, how should we counter this? The defense keeps putting another guy in the box. Oh, we don't have a quarterback that can run, but let's just see if the line can block unbalanced anyway. There's an extra guy. Maybe our running back will beat him. No, hasn't been happening that way. And they've just decided that, no, we're just going to stick with it. And that goes back to problems with the coaching. That they've just stuck with this plan. It doesn't work. And they stick with it and stick with it and stick with it. And then at the end of the game they say, I I don't know. They just they just beat us up front. We can't run block. Who who knows why? We gotta pass 73 times a game. And it's so frustrating that they're so stuck to the system and running RPO concepts and this notion that Dwayne Haskins needs to run when he doesn't. Figure out other ways to move the ball. You know, they still Don't take any shots down the field to loosen up a defense. As lethal as those crossing routes have been and as efficient as they've been, they haven't forced defenses to get out of their shell. Guys are still packed up around the box, and they're fine with it because they know Ohio State can go nine plays down the field and get into the 20-yard line, get into the red zone, and have zero clue how to punch the ball into the end zone. So there's just there's just no adjustments that that happen and i think the red zone issues and the running game issues in particular are a product of the coaches being stuck to this stubborn system and not just coming up with a way to counter how defenses are playing them
1: missouri ran for 233 yards on Purdue's defense and uh missouri does not have a good rushing attack so that i i think that that should that should say something about ohio state's rushing attack And, you know, this has kind of been our our MO this season is is talking about how this probably isn't on the players. This is probably a coaching thing. And it was nice to see more people kind of catching on to that yesterday. And um, I I do think eventually it will be turned towards the right person, Urban Meyer, instead of just the assistants. But I'm Really, looking at the running back stats, looking at the way that they've played this season, I can't blame Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins for this because they've got no chance. They, they have no chance. Mike Weber actually didn't have a terrible game. He was nine attempts for 45 yards. J.K. Dobbins did not have a particularly good game. But neither of them have anywhere to run because Urban Meyer does not know how to how to design an offense that can run the ball without the quarterback. He, they, he doesn't know how to do it. Oh, they, they struggled with this in 2015 with, with Cardale Jones. They completely wasted one of the most talented teams in school history in 2015 because they couldn't figure out how to make Cardale Jones work. And I, I think that, you know, for, for his faults, because I do think Dwayne Haskins has some faults. He, you know, obviously his, his deep throw accuracy leaves a little bit to be desired at times. His, his, handling of pressure is not ideal but to waste a talent like him because you can't figure out how to uh, adjust when the defense is putting several guys in the box you can't figure out how to bring in extra help for your blockers you can't figure out that Michael Jordan isn't a center and no matter how long you put him there he's not going to be a center and that he's a guard or that Malcolm Prigion is not an Ohio State-caliber player. It's like it's obvious things. It's very, very obvious things. And the coaching staff, I don't know if they're just too proud to, to make these changes, to, to admit that they were wrong about something, or if it's that they just don't see it, they don't know what's wrong. It. They're going to waste another <laughs> transcendent quarterback talent. I, I think JT Barrett could have been so much more had he been coached by a competent coaching staff. I mean that that even goes back to like the you know the best years of JT Barrett you know, the best year in 2014 was with Tom Herman and i think Tom Herman is pretty easily a more competent coach than just about anyone ohio state has on their staff right now save for um you know Larry Johnson maybe Brian Hartline maybe Ryan Day i'm significantly less confident in Ryan Day right now because I mean, who knows who's calling those plays, but you'd certainly think he could figure out how to design a running attack. And it's just Ohio State doesn't know how to operate when they don't have a running quarterback. And we we talked about, I think at the beginning of the season, as kind of a season preview, how um, there were there were people, mostly Florida fans saying that, you know, Urban Meyer's failures at Florida came when he lost Tim Tebow and when Jeff Driscoll stepped in. I think it was Jeff Driscoll, right? That that sounds right.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was John it was John, Brant- John, John Brantley. John
1: Brantley. Okay, John <laughs> Brantley. Gosh. Getting my, my Florida legends confused. John Brantley. When John Brantley stepped in, who was by all accounts coming out of high school a very good passer and Urban Meyer had no clue what to do with him. And that twenty ten Florida team stunk because of it. And it it really is, like, (laughs) Dwayne Haskins is a significantly better player than John Brantley, and he's putting up numbers like an elite quarterback. I think he is an elite quarterback. But, like, they're wasting it. Dwayne Haskins, 470 yards, didn't mean anything. They lost by 29. They scored 20 points against a bad defense. And it's a complete lack of balance and an inability to to outscheme any coaching staff. Ohio State has not out schemed a coaching staff since Oklahoma 2016. And that, that might even be generous to say that they out schemed them in that game. It, it's just it's disappointing. I, I'm really I, I don't think I have the the energy left for this team to actually be upset about a loss because like I knew it was coming. I, I, I knew Ohio State was was not going to get through this year unscathed. Um and maybe maybe this loss will inspire some change. But it really is like just disappointment with the fact that probably the best quarterback in school history is gonna be wasted by an offensive staff that can't figure out how to use him.
0: Maybe the best two quarterbacks in school history have been wasted back to back. Yeah. <laughs> by an offensive staff that couldn't figure out how to use him. One of you know, our listeners mm-hmm. and our guys, Frank Baum, tweeted last night that JT Barrett was probably masking a few of the issues that they had, and you you brought up his freshman season. JT Barrett went from the Big Ten Player of the Year as a freshman, throwing 34 touchdowns, 9 yards per attempt against some really good defenses, to part of the time for, for two years basically just being like a, a glorified fullback. And really the only thing that changed was the coaching that he got. And I, I'm just tired of hearing that this offense needs a quarterback that can run to to work because it, it doesn't. Every other high-level coach adjusts. Every other high-level coach has a guy like Dwayne Haskins and realizes what their offense should be. And it's amazing that they had such a prominent stretch in that 2014 playoff with a very similar quarterback in Cardale Jones. And you saw how that offense worked. And... It's just been completely disregarded. And I know that the talent on this offense probably isn't, it definitely isn't as good as that one was and the line. Isn't as good, but the fact that those principles would just flat out be ignored makes no sense to me. And I really do believe that every single issue they have goes back to coaching and them not putting their players in a position to succeed. And I don't know if it was in the third quarter. Maybe it was in the second quarter last night. Purdue had a fourth and one on Ohio State's side of the field. And without hesitation, they just put David Blow under center. And QB sneaked the ball up the middle for like two yards. And for Purdue, that was probably just a normal thing. For me, as an Ohio State fan, I was like, wow. They would never do that. Yeah, They would just line up in shotgun Do some RPO bullshit and not be able to get a first down. And we even saw it down in the red zone when they threw whatever that little screen was to KJ Hill. And in a nice little moment of clarity, it feels like all of their issues came to a head on that one single play. Because the snap was absolutely terrible and it caused Haskins to throw a duck to KJ Hill, which he didn't even catch. But the fact that they were running that play at the one yard line on the goal line just shows you where this team is at right now. With all of this talent, they look like a team that look like a team that they're just like, huh, we don't know what to do. And that just all goes back to coaching.
1: yeah, it it really is. It's just, like I said, it, it's disappointing. It's disappointing that Ohio State can't figure out what to do in the red zone. And not even to say that, that playing better in the red zone would have won them this game because i I don't think I don't think Ohio State was particularly close in this game. I, I think that, you know, in in general, Ohio State was probably going to lose because they weren't ready they they wouldn't have been ready just about regardless of what they actually did on the field. And that would have been fine. Yeah, but like at least just keep it close because there was that it, it might have been that screen play. I, I don't remember exactly. Um, late in the half where Ohio State, um, they they got down onto the red zone, they missed a kick and then Purdue drove down and scored a touchdown at the end of the half and that was a 10 point swing just like that it, it could have gone from 7 to 6 Purdue at the half and it went to 14-3 and i think at that point the game was over i mean the ohio state cut it down to to 8 early in the third quarter but it it really it felt like that just kind of <laughs> that was kind of it when purdue just drove down the field super easily in the last minute or so of the half and Ohio State put up little to no resistance to it and, and that was it. And it, it is just red zone stuff. Pretty pretty simple. Pretty simple stuff. You just have to get a couple yards. Penalties. Ohio State had ten penalties for eighty six yards. They had a bunch of holding. They had false starts. Just silly mistakes that there's really no reason. Roughing the, punter, yeah, on roughing Devon the punter. Did they do that twice? I think they did that twice.
0: They may have run into him once and then the Devon Hamilton was a game changer
1: yeah it's it <laughs> it's just small mistakes it's small little mistakes that add up and they've been making these small little mistakes all season long and they added up and that's you know that i guess that that's just kind of what happens when a team coasts by on talent and and doesn't adjust to things doesn't see what the issues are and make changes to them and you know say what you will about about nick saban i, I think that he's kind of an asshole and that's just part of coaching and i, I don't like comparing programs too much to alabama because it's a it's a very high standard but I really.
0: If there's one to compare to, yeah, it's, it's Ohio State. Yeah,
1: and Nick Saban, despite dominating just about every game they've played this season, I mean, his starting quarterback hasn't seen a fourth quarter yet. That man is absolutely never happy in a press conference. He is never, never happy with a win. And that's because he sees the little things. He sees the little problems that Alabama has. He he sees that their rushing attack isn't great. He sees that their defense gives up too many big plays. And he he's willing to, to work to address that. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this before, but he fired Lane Kiffin in between a playoff game and a championship because he didn't think the offense was working well. Like he he switched quarterbacks at halftime from his experienced veteran who he had played all season to a freshman. He like that. You would never see that at Ohio State. You would never, ever see that at Ohio State. Against Purdue, when Ohio State was struggling in the red zone and obviously couldn't figure out what to do without a running quarterback, they weren't willing to put Tate Martell in the game. And that, I'm not even to say that that would fix it, because I, I think that Ohio State's problems are much deeper than red zone or just small little issues. But it's just <laughs> those little changes, little coaching changes, seeing the issues – And adjusting before this game happens to, you know, even just to make this game closer, to make this slightly less embarrassing, we just don't see that at Ohio State. We don't see Urban Meyer making the small tweaks to to problems. To cut them off before they become a 49 to 20 loss to Purdue, or before they come, before they become a big loss to Iowa or Oklahoma, we don't see that, and it's you know that's a coaching, that's a coaching thing. I think 100 percent that's a coaching thing.
0: And now the defense isn't good enough to where Greg Schiano is going to get hired in the offseason. <laughs> oh, I'm crying internally so so hard that tennis, <laughs> that, that Tennessee deal just didn't go through. Oh, my God. I don't know. I, I don't think there really is anything to, else to break down, like, nitty-gritty into this game. Uh, the bye week, like I said, there couldn't be at a better time. I'm so sick of watching this <laughs> every week, and I'm glad we'll get a respite this week. But let's, let's prognosticate a little bit. Do you think that this is the low point for this team this season?
1: I, I think they could lose to Nebraska. <laughs> that would be pretty bad uh realistically probably it really historically speaking we haven't seen Ohio State take a, a big loss like this and then get worse they're they're generally able to uh, able to respond pretty well but um I, I think they could lose to Michigan I think they probably will lose to Michigan just based on seeing Michigan's defense which is Quite a bit better than Purdue's, and Ohio State couldn't do anything. Yo, know, how are
0: they gonna gain 20 yards against Michigan's defense?
1: Yeah, I, I think <laughs> it. I, it's really like, cause Michigan, Michigan has the defensive backfield to at least slow down the passing attack. And if you throw 73 times against them, that's I think pretty much a sure thing that you lost. You you really, like I, I hate to, I hate to say that Ohio State can't be. A program that can win with with speed and things like that because I do think that Ohio State can win like that and and has win like and has won like that pretty consistently, but Ohio State is built around winning battles in the trenches. They're built around having a running attack and using that to set up the passing attack. They're built around excellent defense. That's the way the program has been forever, and there's a re- there's a reason for that. It it works. It works at Ohio State, and. It's just I don't think that they have the ability right now on the line or just in general to dominate Michigan up front, which is the way that you beat Michigan. And I don't know how Ohio State puts up yards on Michigan right now. I really don't. I I don't see any way for them to do that until they get this rushing attack fixed, until they figure out that throwing 73 passes in a game is not going to, to work. It's not going to be successful. And I, I just, I don't know if we'll see that change.
0: And what, what I can't stand is the possibility is very real, given, like you said, we've seen this team take bad losses and then just come right back out. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's what we needed. And we talked about that last week. Like, is a loss going to be the worst thing for this team? And I think that that's definitely something to watch because in previous years, they have needed a bit of an ass kicking to wake up. And for me that's the problem that it takes something like this, despite what we've talked about like weeks dating back to the Penn State game and honestly what we saw from a lot of what we saw from the Oregon State game makes a lot of sense right now. Yeah, Ohio
1: State gave up thirty one points to Oregon State.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And but we've we've seen these things just like in past years, we've seen these things before a loss and it's like, okay, like yeah, we, we beat Michigan in overtime, but man, that Clemson defense is really good. How are we gonna hang in there? And it finally all comes crashing down. The last three weeks we talked about, uh, you know, they, they got the job done. The defense played well in the second half. They shut they shut out the guys in the second half. Hey, everybody that was saying that uh they did not shut out Purdue in the second half. <laughs> they up second 35 half defense. Points. That that didn't work. They didn't oh, shut man. out Purdue in the second half this week. It it just goes back to what we talked about, the same theme for these type of games and that it, it's frustrating that it takes something like this for Meyer and the coaching staff to realize, hey, the way we want to play isn't going to work. What if we played to our players' strengths or our strengths with what we have? And we'll see if they do that. I, I'm not entirely confident. In fact, I'm less confident than in years past that they're going to be able to do that. But to give them the benefit of the doubt, just to be a little positive here, they have done that in years past, and we won't get to see it for a couple of weeks. Uh, Nebraska's terrible. They finally got their first win against Minnesota. I think we can be pretty clear at this point that Minnesota isn't very good. Nebraska's offense, though, can move the ball. So it's going to be a legitimate test, and it's disgusting that we're talking about 1-6 in Nebraska being a legitimate test for this team right now but in two weeks they need to go out and they need to beat the hell out of nebraska they need to win that game by 30 plus for me to feel like okay at the very least they've identified that there's a problem and they've not that they fixed it because i don't think that there's any easy fixes other than like hey bill davis (laughs) you're unemployed hey greg shudrawa you're unemployed hey greg shiano (laughs) you're unemployed but we don't get to make those calls and they have to stick with what they have right now and really parse over what we have seen them put out for the last eight weeks because for for a lot of other programs seven and one is great and there are ways that they could be seven and one right now and we would not be complaining the way that they are seven and one right now is more like a 4 and 3 it feels like yeah. and or 4 and 4 i guess at this point since they played eight games and it's just not acceptable with the the standard that they have set here it's it's fine that they're 7-1 it's great and to be clear we're not you know saying anything about the players that we don't support the team cuz i saw a lot of that going around and like please don't tweet the players yeah about how they suck or how they're not good and how they need to win it. Yeah, a this is not this is not you. on them. And this is this is none of this is none of that. And even if it is on the players, like we're just fans, man. We're just watching. Like I I'm not gonna rail on the players even when they do play bad. But it's clear that as a whole, this program is not where it has been, even from last year. And they have got some serious soul searching to do this week and it's just a shame that this is a problem we keep revisiting over and over and over and I said at the start of the episode I wasn't we weren't gonna say I told you so but we told you yeah. so yeah we did we said this this was gonna happen <laughs> and it finally did and I know I picked Ohio State to win but like you were on here and you picked them to lose and that was that was generous yeah in hindsight
1: yeah I said thirty-one <laughs> twenty-seven.
0: <laughs> I wish it would have been thirty-one <laughs>
1: twenty-seven.
0: <laughs> that would have been great. I would have been on this podcast and we would have had 50 minutes of like, yo, Dwayne Haskins played great. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins had 100 yards rushing. Shout out to Purdue. Yeah. Rondell moore really yeah. good. Jeff Brom, really good. Tough atmosphere. Nope. Instead, they had to lose by 29 because their coaches don't have a clue of how to adjust and how to use this team.
1: Yeah, I – like – I remember last week we talked about the people who were just talking about how well Ohio State only allowed 14 points and this week it's people who were well Ohio State only has one loss. Um so I I really like I was thinking earlier after getting yet another <laughs> response to one of my one of my articles that Ohio State only has one loss and you're saying that the head coach who has gotten progressively worse over the last three seasons maybe should retire at the end of the year. You know, I'm wondering what the next escalation of that is, and I think it will just be people looking at Urban Meyer's history and saying, well, how could you want this guy gone? He used to be good at coaching. (laughs) It's like, awesome, cool. I wish he was still good at coaching because he doesn't seem to be, and he just keeps hiring his friends, and it would be very nice if he didn't do that, especially seeing as how he's making – 7.5 million dollars a year but yeah no i not to we we won't we won't harp on this too much but we've been on this for we've been on this for a while now we've been on this urban meyer thing for a while now and it's like it's encouraging to see other people kind of catch on and and catch up to the whole hey maybe bill davis isn't very good at his job or hey maybe urban meyer's hires haven't been that good recently but it, it is like it's too little too late because Ohio State already got crushed by Purdue. And I, I, I saw last night, I, I can't remember who said it, and I, I've seen in general that the, the consensus is that even though Ohio State lost this game, they're probably still going to make the playoff if they win out. And I think that is true. I think if Ohio State wins out, wins the Big Ten, 12-1 Big Ten champion does not get left out of the playoff. But I certainly don't want that. <laughs> I don't want to watch Ohio State get crushed by Alabama in the first round. That sounds horrible. That like I don't know why anyone would want that. Like if Ohio State does somehow win out and there are not serious changes to the team in the next couple weeks, which who knows. There there could be. Maybe maybe Urban Meyer has a little magic left. He can figure out what what it would take to fix this team. I I really think if anything fixes this team, it'll just be the seniors and the older players on this team stepping up and filling the leadership roles that their coaches aren't doing right now, like Terry McLaurin kind of did last night, like Dwayne Haskins seems to be capable of doing. like.
0: That was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. They needed to own up to that shit. <laughs> that, that was weak. Yeah. That was, for a program that preaches accountability and, I mean... <laughs> dating back to the offseason whatever on that one yeah but for one that preaches accountability to not even something as simple as just having the coaches out there and just trotting trotting the players after out after that that was that was weak yeah that was really weak
1: yeah and I think that they handled themselves better than Urban did I think Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin legitimately answered questions better than Urban Meyer did he you know his his attitude in post game press conferences his yeah. attitude on the sidelines even it's just he's moping he looks like a baby he's you know he's over there on the sideline bent over all game long he's all disappointed he's all freaked out and it's like dude your players are you know they're con- they're like consistently more in the game than you are and you're the one getting paid <laughs> He's getting paid a lot of money, and he's just over there moping. It's like, you're the one who's supposed to fix these small mistakes. He, he was over there complaining when there was the, the roughing the puncher. He was complaining pretty much all game long about his team not playing up to what they should be playing up to. It's his job. He's supposed to fix that. And it's it's embarrassing that the head coach of probably the second best football program in the country— is is not able to to take responsibility like his redshirt sophomore quarterback and senior receiver are. Terry McLaurin was much, much more willing to answer questions and take accountability than Urban Meyer was, and it wasn't even his fault. Terry McLaurin played a good game. Dwayne Haskins played as well as he possibly could have under the circumstances. And those guys are willing to, to say that things need to be fixed and say the actual things that need to be fixed instead of Urban Meyer just saying that they're going to figure out what's wrong. They're going to figure out what's wrong and then they're going to fix it. What's wrong is pretty obvious. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that Urban Meyer is, is still doing this, that he's still trying to, you know, (laughs) trying to sneak by on the, the guys that, well, eventually we'll get this thing fixed. It's been the same problem for three years now. It's been the same problem for four years now, even since 2014, this coaching staff has been coasting and it's I'm sick of it. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that this is still happening.
0: Also, don't I don't want to hear anybody say the word playoff minutes after losing by twenty nine. Yeah, that was it was Purdue. ridiculous to see like, that. Yeah. What,
1: what? I what? I don't care and, about and the you know playoff. What? Yeah.
0: The the premise the premise is true, and and I get what people are saying, but like you don't get to talk playoff after losing to by twenty nine to Purdue. Like, what, what do you mean win out? You gotta play at Michigan State, who's beaten them a couple times. You gotta play versus Michigan, who has the best defense in the country. And you you can't even you can't even lose to Purdue by five. You lose by twenty-nine and, and people are over here talking about playoffs. Like, not to channel my Jim Moore on my Jim Moore shit, but like, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Is that is that what we're doing? We're losing. That is where we are at right now. You lose by 29 to Purdue, and it's like, oh, the playoffs are still and it's only one loss. And to that just to just a dive into that and maybe this this is a, a bad opinion or this isn't really backed up by much and I'm just making all this up in my head but I know the times don't exactly match up because it was a couple weeks later in the season last year when Ohio State lost to Iowa but I feel like they were in a better position last year even with two losses than they are right now because one Michigan wasn't as good yeah michigan
1: is very good this year they are legit good
0: (laughs) yeah if if this team had to go into ann arbor they would positively get smoked they still have a road game against michigan state they can still lose the division because this this is their this is their first loss so they have no margin for error they had a little bit of margin for error last year because the oklahoma loss was a non-conference and oklahoma was so good that despite that game playing out the way it did people were willing to give them in the benefit of the doubt they lost to the heisman trophy winning quarterback whatever it wasn't a big deal that that happens happens you lose to another good team and there's no wisconsin on the other side of the big 10 west that's waiting for them that even if wisconsin wasn't that great they were an undefeated team so there's you know is purdue going to be waiting for them on the back end uh, of the Big 10 championship is it going to be a Wisconsin team that's very 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 meh and not very good is it going to be Iowa again who's just like nondescript so all these factors line up and they could yeah they could win out uh, they probably won't with the way they're playing right now they definitely won't with the way they're playing right now but like i don't even want to hear that talk minutes after losing by 29 to Purdue like stop it that that, that isn't even a, a a conversation that we should be having right now you don't get to talk about the playoffs after you go into west lafayette and lose by 30 points like i don't want to hear that shit
1: yeah ohio state ends the season home game with nebraska that should be a win i i think that in a couple weeks that'll we'll, we'll probably see that as a as a pretty big win nebraska's pretty bad then at michigan state at maryland and then michigan at home um, I, I think Ohio State probably can beat Michigan State just because Michigan State's offense is dreadful. But that even that at Maryland game scares me. I mean, the the Michigan State game obviously I'm concerned about, and then the Michigan game I think Ohio State's just gonna lose. But Maryland's four and three with losses to a very good Temple team, a great Michigan team, and a very good Iowa team. This is this is a legitimately very good Maryland football team, and it's it's at Maryland. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State gets caught looking ahead there and they lose. It, it's like, it's a bad place for Ohio State to be in. It's a bad place for this program to be in where we're looking at at Maryland on the schedule and thinking well that's a bad (laughs) that's a bad matchup for this team filled with four and five stars that's a bad situation for this team that is pretty you know pretty easily the second most talented team in the country that they they can't go to purdue they can't go to maryland without it being a frightening matchup for them it's it's silly it's ridiculous that this is where ohio state is with this level of talent and that's that's a coaching thing that's you know
0: Uh, you know what we haven't seen either is them playing bad weather what happens if those last three games are all in the snow or all in the rain and they can't throw the ball 65 times a game what are they gonna do
1: yeah Maryland uh notorious for for not getting cold in November for sure
0: (laughs) the Tate the Tate Martell wishbone offense has logged on for the last month of the season uh do you have do you have anything else you want to say about this game I I feel utterly disgusted talking about Ohio State but I feel cleansed as well
1: not really I I I think um I got, uh, so one of my, while we were recording this, this is, this is fun. This is breaking news live on the podcast. My article that I wrote last night about how Urban Meyer is not a very good coach right now got uh, a snarky quote tweet from Stu Mandel.
0: <laughs> oh, boy.
1: About how, um, here, let me find it. He said, weirdly, I didn't have a, I didn't hear a word about these apparent problems in August. Uh, Stuart, read more of my shit. I've been saying this since August. Pretty, <laughs> pretty significant you know, amount of time that we've been talking about this stuff. Like when Urban Meyer got in trouble for enabling domestic abuse, I think pretty much. Entirely, our website was calling for him to be fired. I, I don't. We
0: got railed over the coals for that one. Yeah,
1: like we got put on the the the, the bad website list by some random guy on Twitter. Like we we've, we've been pushing this shit. We, <laughs> this I don't know. Like I, I'm sure that Stu just doesn't read blogs or whatever, which is fine. I certainly wouldn't if I was um, making <laughs> any significant salary for this uh, this thing. But like. It's just, dude. We, if there's any website to call out for not pushing hard enough on Urban Meyer, it's not us. We've been doing this shit. We we have been saying that Urban Meyer is not a good coach for months now. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just that that kind of that kind of made me mad is seeing that because like I, I take pride in the not just blindly obeying whatever the coaching staff says and not just pushing for, you know, whatever the coaching staff is saying and saying that they'll get it fixed for access. I don't I don't need access. We we as a website don't need access. We're doing this as as fans. We're doing this as from the perspective of fans. We are Ohio State fans first and foremost. And the the complaints that we have, the writing that we do, comes from a place of caring about this program it comes from a place of caring about where ohio state is going seeing where ohio state is going and wanting it to be addressed it it is not out of spite for this coaching staff i'm sure that these i'm sure that some of these coaches are fine people i like i think that some of them are capable coaches and just you know, it, it doesn't come from a place of wanting to be out for them, being out for, for revenge on Urban Meyer because he didn't get fired this offseason. Like it's not that's not what this is about. It's just it it it's upsetting when people say that like, well, we're just jumping on this bandwagon now. Like, no, we've been on this. We've been talking about this for a long time now. And I know that we, we wouldn't we wouldn't say that we told you so too much, but like we have been on this train. We've been doing this. And it's nice to see people jumping on. It's nice to see other media websites jumping on. But I I don't want anybody stepping to us about how we haven't been outward enough about our disdain for what this coaching staff has been doing. We've been doing this since Oklahoma last year, and it's just – that that made me mad to see that
0: our feelings about this coaching staff and urban meyer the reason this podcast (laughs) half of our reviews are one star right now like we we can't even get people to be like hey the audio sounds like shit colton does a horrible job mixing it like we don't even get any technical we
1: did get a very nice one of those last week from from one of my buddies but um hopefully that we've got that problem fixed
0: (laughs) Like our feelings about this coaching staff, they are what they are, and I, I've said I made sure to say it on the beginning of these podcasts and at the end. But like we aren't here to cheerlead for Ohio State. We're fans and we support Ohio State. But in doing that and in being a fan, our job isn't here. Isn't we're not here to cheerlead for Urban Meyer and this staff. We can still support the university while having these complaints and bringing this stuff up because it's important. Whether it's the on the field stuff or the the off-the-field stuff. And I guess that's maybe maybe a topic we talk about during the bye week that, you know, not only has it been on the field stuff that, you know, this is these are things we've been talking about and they happen over and over again, but it compounds with everything we saw in the offseason and it all goes back to one guy, and that's Urban Meyer. And all of the things that have been wrong with Ohio State this year have all gone back to him and you know I don't even want to hear from Stu Mandel you're the weak link of the audible man. I don't want to hear from you <laughs> I want to hear from you Stu Mandel. We do want to hear from you though so please if you like the show leave us a review on apple podcast help us help us get back to a four-star rating we're currently sitting at our tough borland three and a half right now and i don't like it i want blue chip status baby um, <laughs> is that is that it man do, do you have anything else no i that, think that's that's all i yeah, got for i think State. that's
1: all i got I'm, I'm mostly numb to this i'm mostly apathetic at this point um but a little bit of energy here at the end of the show so <laughs> I think that's all I got.
0: Uh you want to talk about my Virginia Cavaliers being the average our, our yeah. Virginia Cavaliers being the leaders for uh the ACC Coastal. Yep, let's let's do it. <laughs> current current front runners to beat the Clemson Tigers <laughs> in the ACC championship game. That's how this is all going to play out, baby. Bronco like in all reality and in all serious, no. Bronco Mendenhall, man. He's doing a great He's a
1: very good football coach, yeah.
0: I I like I like watching them. Uh I didn't have too many other takeaways from this week. This was not a really good week michigan michigan state was one of the worst football games i turned that shit off in the second quarter and i was like nope unless it's a one score game with less than two minutes left i am not turning back and that was a good decision but there were some rough games this past weekend
1: yeah um wisconsin illinois was kind of funny in a blizzard It, it wasn't good football by any means but it was it was silly um oklahoma crushed tcu not particularly surprising tcu is not good this year uh, Penn State very nearly lost to Indiana, which they kind of just do every year. Uh, Iowa shut out Maryland. <clears throat> Clemson destroyed NC State. I was actually a little surprised by that. I didn't think NC State would win, but I did think they would be able to keep it even somewhat close. But it looks like the Clemson death machine has kind of been activated at this point. Um, the the only other game that I, I thought was interesting, really, like you, like you said, it was not a very good day. I... Um, I, I was mostly checked out for a lot of the day. Uh, LSU did beat Mississippi State, but I think the only other game was that was kind of interesting to me, and it, it stopped being such a blowout in the second half, but for the first 30 minutes of the Washington State-Oregon game, Washington State whooped that ass. <laughs> they yeah, were, they looked They great. were crushing them, and then Oregon, Oregon stormed back in the, the second half. They, they cut it down to 27-20 with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter, but Washington State pulled away. Um, Washington State is is legitimately very good on offense. Gardner Minshew is seemingly perfect for that offense, which is just strange because he, he pretty much came out of nowhere. I think he was an ECU transfer, if I remember right, and uh, Mike Leach just went out and found this guy. It's like, where do you get these guys? And their, their offense, I still I don't really love watching the, the air raid. I think that that's an unpopular opinion, but it's not super fun for me to... To watch but they're they're not running the ball horribly. James Williams seems to be pretty good Um, Their their defense was actually relatively good as it has been all season long And it was it was surprising to see Oregon get beat like this because I thought Oregon was Was really starting to figure it all out, but um, Pac-12 is is really weird and this was this was a pretty fun game to watch overall I think I, I think that this was one of the more Enjoyable games of the day.
0: Washington State ran 24 times for 77 yards <laughs> against. Oregon.
1: Can we get can so we get a gonna... comparison to Ohio State against Purdue uh, an an inarguably worse defense? How many what, what did Ohio State run for against Purdue?
0: I think it was 25 for 76.
1: Awesome. <laughs> Ohio State worse at running than Mike Leach.
0: <laughs> that is where we're at. Yeah. Um. You, you. I think that's probably a good place us to wrap up it's been a cathartic hour here please let us know if you like the show at Holy land pod on twitter i am at dubsco patrick is it patrick underscore mayhorn as a site we are at land grant 33 and visit landgrantholyland.com for all of our coverage of ohio state football and soon to be basketball yep. and every other ohio state sport coming up it's going to be a really fun fall and and winter and as we transition into this last stretch of the season and see uh, what kind of anger Ohio State football brings us. Also, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and listen on SoundCloud. And that's pretty much it, man. This has been a good hour. Let us know what you think of the show. But until next time, we'll probably we'll talk to you on the bye week. We don't know what we're going to do yeah, yet. Yeah, we before. might we
1: might ask for questions or something.
0: Yeah, we may do a mailbag. Send us your hate mail.
1: Send us your love mail, too. We, we don't get enough send of that. Send us your
0: love mail, too. Yeah, send us your love mail, and we can talk about uh, the bye week for Ohio State and just some of the stuff about where the program is and maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive into the overall health of Ohio State football and everything else going on. But until then, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land and go Bucks.